Well, thank you for being here. It's uh, been very quiet. Uh, all the turmoil of the past few weeks means that uh, most of the folks who used to sit with us from various countries have gone home. Some of the Japanese sitters who were going to come have not uh, come yet. They promised to come next week. They kind of got chicken about the short sitting, I mean the longer sitting today for some reason. Shows it. You guys are tough, huh? But it's been an eventful couple of weeks in some ways. In other ways, it's been perfectly as always. Nina and Leonor are away, so I've been here by myself for the last week. I have to do something with the other computer here. One moment, please. And uh, the power is back. We have running water again. So gasoline is working. So I've been spending my day pretty much like I always do, not only with you guys at Tree Leaf, but uh, watching Star Trek reruns and uh, cooking dinner. And, uh, you know, just spending the days as always. Compared to a hundred miles up the coast, where people are sitting in gymnasiums or mourning loved ones, you actually feel kind of guilt. I don't know, it's uh, survivor's guilt, or you feel a bit... Uh, guilty for sitting enjoying your your house and your life when there are people just up the road who don't have anything like that right now but there's a certain strange um, there's a certain strange tension, too. I mean, only a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't beginning my every day checking the radiation readings, uh, wondering if I should bring my son back here. His school starts in a few days, and I made the decision to bring him back. People say, don't do it. As far as I can tell, the most dangerous thing about him being away was the drive on the highway uh, to send him away from here. If I had it to do again, I probably would because we weren't sure what the situation was a couple of weeks ago and the radiation was bouncing up and down and people were giving all kinds of different advice. But right now, it's a risk, but a small one, I think. So he's coming home. But there is a certain tension, you know, certain stress in the past week. We still get about five or six aftershocks and tiles are still falling off the roof with the good ones. You can hear them going, plink, plink, plink. 
Unfortunately, I'm not standing under any of them. They haven't hit me on the head yet. And uh, people are freaked out, a lot of folks. All kinds of rumors going around. You know how these things go. All kinds of rumors. You, the water is poison, the, this is poison, and that. And most of the rumors, 90% of them, turn out not to be uh, what people say. One thing that we've learned from this disaster is, as terrible as it is, I'm talking about the, with the reactors, it uh, is also just a disaster. Well, I don't want to get into that, but uh, it's not Chernobyl. It's not uh, for most of us. I sure wouldn't want to be living about half the distance we live about 100 miles away, or about 160 kilometers, I think. I wouldn't want to be living 50 miles away or 80 kilometers, because then the situation changes quite a bit. Uh, and I feel very, very great compassion and sorrow for those folks. But uh, it's surprising how people get on with their lives here. Maybe it's a Japanese character, too. People are just... getting on with their day-to-day. -day. I mean, it's a little weird. Most of the stores have their lights off at night to save energy, so the town is dark. I went into Tokyo, and it was very strange. You know, all the neon of Tokyo, most of it is off. It gives uh, the whole town a kind of shadowy look. Very unusual. I've never seen Tokyo like that at night. All the people, but you know, kind of in the dark and the shadows, walking through the town that's usually so lit up with all that, that neon that Tokyo is famous for. And the trains, people look a little stressed. The trains stop at various times. If uh, They haven't had too many blackouts, but if there are blackouts, you, the, you know, things come to a stop. And uh, it's a little bizarre. So the stress builds. It's just natural. You can be practicing Zen for 40 years, and, you know, the ground shakes five times a day. A little bit of adrenaline rushes through you. And... Uh, the brain gets tired after a couple of weeks like that. And I gotta tell you, I'm kind of tired. A lot of people are a lot more tired than me, I'm sure, up in those fallout shelters. I'm complaining about a little inconvenience, a little uh, nervousness when the ground shakes. There are people up there dealing with real grief for lost loved ones, parents, sons and daughters. One thing about those people up there in Tohoku that uh, I don't think gets talked about enough. If you ask most Japanese, even down here in Ibaraki, they'll say those Tohoku people, that's the, the region that got hit up there around Sendai. Those Tohoku people are tough. That's the mountains, deep mountains covered with snow a large part of the year and the fishing villages. Those guys go out to sea, you know, storms and you know, little tiny boats going out to sea. A lot of them don't return. Those are tough folks, stoic folks, um, you know, and uh, one thing about the Japanese spirit is they can overcome tough times. They, uh, this country was ashes in 1946, you know, after World War II, and they built it back up. And in the past hundred years of, uh, alone, this country has been hit by so many earthquakes, tsunami, volcanoes 
great fires that burn down whole cities because most of their houses are made of paper and wood. So when they get a fire, the whole city burns down. Uh, wars, of course, of which my country was uh, did a number on Japan and a couple of atomic bombs, and they've come back every time, and it uh, makes them tough. As it, you know, I'm talking overall through the culture, Japanese uh, that samurai spirit is true. When the going gets tough, and the tough get going, that's one of the things that makes this country go. So, uh, uh, people up there in Tohoku are said to be hard as nails, and I, I hope it's true. I know that they are suffering, though. No one, no one can go through this, losing their house, their family, without shock. But anyway, I was kind of worn out by this yesterday and uh, I woke up and maybe I'd had some dreams. My dreams have been very, uh, you know, dreaming a lot about the earthquake. Waking up in the middle of the night, the house shaking, you know, you get woken out of a sleep. And uh, the thing that got me too was the children. There are a lot of little kids around here, three, five, my son is eight, but you see these kids, they're like little angels. And to think now they have to, you know, I think about all the kids that uh, have to live in a world with all this radiation and all this, this and that, these poor little kids. Everything I understand is that they'll be quite all right. People are making sure not to drink milk. Milk is very bad for children right now if it has that radioactive iodine in it. So most of the parents, I hope, are making sure that their kids are not drinking local milk and watching not to eat spinach and various other vegetables that have uh, uh, absorbed the radiation. Popeye, uh, I'm sorry, but we can't eat the spinach right now. But you see those little kids and I cry. You just, it just breaks your heart. Why, uh, I hope those kids do grow up in a world where they don't have to, uh, we, f we figure out a lot of the things that we're doing wrong and we get it right and take a little better care of this planet sometimes. Okay, anyway, um, so I woke up a little beaten down yesterday. Even Zen guys wake up on the sometimes and you feel blah, but you know, Jindo's all teaching. When the sun is shining, let the sun shine. And when you feel blah, just be blah. Let it rain, okay? Rainy days are just rainy, right? So this song was posted by uh, the Irish troubadour, Ralph McTell. Thank you, Dr. Otoshi from Sweden for posting it. I uh, like Irish music. I like Irish bars even better. Well, actually the two usually go the same, but I like Irish bars in moderation. All things in moderation. <laughs> but uh, uh, I like uh, Irish music. This is uh, kind of a, one of those slow, sad songs. And uh, I just heard it. And uh, I'm going to say it right out. It, people speak in Zen practice of uh, Kensho seeing your true nature. And there are those timeless times 
when we experience that. I've always been, I think, prone to that since I was a kid. Having those moments, you can call them. Uh, losing oneself in a good sense. Kind of mystical moments too. All kinds of moments. And this song gave, gifted such a moment. Because I think the description in the song, I have to find out a little bit more about Ralph McTell and where this song came from describes very well, I think, what this experience of Kensho is like. I don't know if everyone's Kensho is the same Kensho, but when I have known Kensho, it's a lot like uh, this song, and I needed that, and to go to that placeless place yesterday because of the song, and for a moment it brought me there. So I thought uh, we'd let the song do the teaching, and then I'd, of course, talk about it a little more and uh, just a few things. So I, uh, there's a link to the lyrics, and uh, we'll listen to Ralph Pictel. I hope this works. The speakers are not very good. And, uh, but please do read along with uh, the song. Please read it along slowly as he sings it, okay? journey 
Traveler could not tell. So the ferryman, you're weary, and the answers that you seek are in the same river. Listen humbly to Traveler closed his eyes and heard something that he heard. Only the river murmuring ever beating on his heart. But he heard the river laughing and he heard the river crying. And in it was the beauty and the sadness of the world. Then he heard the sounds of dying. Sounds of birds, and slowly his ears heard all the sounds of earth, and the sounds blended together, and they became a whole, and the rhythm was his heartbeat to the music in his Journey and the song that the singing 
to that uh, song, but uh, just a, a couple of things before we sit. You know, the beginning is like uh, so many of us, some more than others who go through life carrying this burden, heavy, heavy burden. Um, for some reason I saw perhaps a soldier who came back from the war. I've seen some very, very ugly, difficult times or people today, um, carrying the burden of loss we talked about, and many people with deep scars from things that happened years ago, and they travel, travel looking for a place to put that down, a place to rest, a place to lighten the load, and uh, seeking saviors, seeking psychiatrists, seeking teachers, gurus, uh, or just to be tough and tough it out. That's that first part of the song. Traveling, traveling, trying to find the promised land. Trying to find the place that will make it right. So in Buddhism there's the image of the river and the raft that takes us from this shore to the other shore. And uh, the Buddha, of course, is the boatman, the ferryman, and the raft are the teachings. There's always been the image in Buddhism that this shore is the shore of pain and ugliness, and the other shore is the shore of nirvana. But um, our teachings tell us, too, that it's not quite that way, and this song captures it, that the river sweeps in this shore and that shore until there is just the river, and the boatman and the passenger and the boat. And we spoke about uh, Master Dogen Zenki a few months ago about the boat, the sails, the river, the shore, all this great, the great kit and caboodle, the great functioning. Well, here the man comes to the river and he's looking for a way that currents that seem so strong. How do you get to the other side? How do, you, how do you get through this tough practice? So he looks for the strongest, toughest ferryman he can find, and what does he find in, 
Instead, he finds an old man with barely the strength it would seem to, to push off and yet the boat sails so gracefully. Is, did the river move the boat? Yes, the traveler could not tell if it was the boatman, the river. Talk about going with the flow. And they never quite reach the other shore, do they? Because the shore is found right smack in the middle of that river. You know, this shore and that shore are joined as one under the river, in the river. And what does he hear? say cycle the great circle what's that song from the the circle of life what was that the lion king something like that that's a great song i love that song too so he heard the river laughing he heard the river crying he heard the river dying he heard the sounds of birth people dying, there are people being born, there are people crying, there are people laughing. Actually, that's all of us, isn't it? We're all born, we all die someday, we all laugh, we all cry during times of this life. Yet the river flows into the sea, which becomes the clouds, which comes down to the rain and becomes the river again. And around and around we go. You get lost in the pain, the death, and the, the suffering, and the tears, that's no good. If you only run after the smiles and the joy, that's no good. But if you can see that river, if you can taste that river, if you can be that river, you're onto something. You're really onto something. And so that's what the song is about. I've said too much about it. Shall we sit with that?
in him.
Zazen. 